Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Like you hit somebody on the butt right now. You're not giving them Corona through their butt. This is the Press Box. Shove it in. With Grady and Bischoff. Set up with a bottle of ranch dressing and he just starts screaming, get it all over my face. On ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, I forget that cut. I don't know what the heck that was about. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's a Monday, huge Monday. Monday Night Football in town. Big show head. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Let's get to it. A lot to go. The first bite. Is Mike Mayock getting fired after this season? <laughs> well, welcome to a Monday. <laughs> Mike Mayock thinks he is. I think he thinks he's the fall guy, and they've yet to kick yeah. off the season. This was Mike Mayock's quote to Rich Eisen. If we don't win more games... I'm probably going to be back there sitting next to you. I'm not big on the elephant in the room, Rich. I'm 63 and I'm pretty pragmatic. I knew what I was getting into. I've been in foot. I've been a football person my whole life. And at the end of the day, you either win enough games or you don't. So before the season even starts, Mike Mayock is fully aware. Hey, if we don't win more than like nine games, I'm probably not going to be around much longer. I totally think he's right because someone's going to be the fall guy if they miss the playoffs for once in 18 years. Now they're going on 18 years now, right? not going to be Gruden. So we've said before, it's one of two, if not both, Mike Mayock and the quarterback. I love that we've somehow the last couple of weeks, like has, has the last two weeks been a complete setup for Mike Mayock to get fired? Like what if we, they go to the playoffs? I feel we, bad for Mike right. Mayock. He's already out. He's the one talking <laughs> he's about He's the one it saying it. He's like, hey, man, I'm getting fired if we don't make the playoffs. It's like, okay. I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you, but you don't normally hear the GM actually say that out loud. No. I wonder what Eisen was thinking. Like, oh, man, I better get the seat ready next to me. This guy thinks he's getting fired if they don't make the playoffs. That's my question. Like, what, based on his drafting for the Raiders, do you want him back as your draft expert? Why not? Okay. I mean, I think he, yeah, I mean, the, the drafts haven't worked out, but I'm not so sure if they don't make the playoffs, he's the only one who should probably be worried, but we're pretty sure he's the only one who's probably worried. Well, the quarterback might be worried because he, he doesn't have a contract. So depending on how he plays, if they don't make the playoffs, we could see him as well kind of, you know, be told that that's it. But I would think Mayak's the first guy, right? I mean, it's not going to be Gruden. No, it's not. I, it's not Gruden. Vic Tafer wrote a story this morning. Is it Vic Tafer? <laughs> it might be Vic Tafer. <laughs> Maybe Vic Tafer. <laughs> Vic Tafer wrote a story this morning that was like, it, he his tweet was like, John Gruden's not on the hot seat, but the Raiders need to start winning. And it's like... So they don't need to start winning because he's not on the hot seat. Like you're, you're either on the hot seat or you're not on the hot seat. Right. If he's not on the hot seat, the Raiders don't have to start winning. Like and there's I no. Think, I think we both agree he's not on the hot yeah, seat. There's nothing that John. If I mean, barring what Owen seventeen, John Gruden's not getting fired. So John Gruden doesn't have to win this year. Mike Mayock needs him. He to win needs this to year. win. Derek Carr might need right. to win. But John Gruden doesn't need the team to win this year. If they win six or seven games and miss the playoffs, is he getting fired? I don't no, think anybody don't think believes that's happening. No, he's back for year five. So, do they need to win? Yeah, maybe for Mike Mayock's sake, but not for John Gruden's sake. I just, I love that it's now, like, we have heard John Gruden, he's he's given the quote about, well, the general manager and everybody yeah, else he's, is he's involved. he's bringing that Mayock kid yes. into things now. He's been like, all these other people are involved in this situation too, guys. The owner's budget, all this. And now we have Mike Mayock saying, listen, if we don't win enough games, I'm fired. Like, the, the last two weeks has just been the Raiders themselves. It's not us. It's the Raiders themselves setting up this table as, hey, playoffs or Mike Mayock is yeah. gone. We talked about this for the first time in four years. He started bringing up the general manager, but he never said his name. <laughs> 
I said, well, uh, the general manager, I've, I've got to check with him. It's like, no, you've never checked with him. You do not need to check with him. You were his boss. <laughs> so that was funny. And it was kind of an offhanded comment. But it was so it was so uh, new in terms of him discussing the general manager, like everyone in the media room had a reaction. And it was just an offhanded comment. You know, it's like, did he just mention the general manager is having some sort of power? <laughs> and then you see Mayock. I'm like, okay, then it's all being set up here. If right. they don't make the playoffs, so who's going to be the fall guy? And like, we understand it. We've been talking about sure. that for a little while now that that's the most likely scenario. If they come up short this year, it's just a little surprising to actually hear it set up by the actual team itself. The actual head coach and general manager themselves being like, yeah, he's in charge of a lot of stuff. And the GM saying, yeah, I'm the one getting fired. If this doesn't go, let well. me ask you if, if they go nine and eight, is it automatic that someone should and miss the playoffs at nine and eight? Yeah, they, yeah, they miss at so. nine and eight. I would think so. Someone I, should go. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's what if I told about, you it's the quarterback, but not the GM? It's probably a mistake unless Carr's awful this year. I mean, if Carr's awful, sure. But if Carr's like he was been, last he's year, he's been good, good the last two seasons yeah. under John Gruden. If he has the same season, that's that'd be pretty rough to move on from him and not Mike Mayock or anybody defensively, even though you just brought in Gus Bradley. But right. you know, it's it, that would be pretty tough. If he if he's terrible, you know, then sure. But if he's good again, like he has been the last couple of seasons, then that's pretty hard to do unless you are unless you are saying, hey, we're going into a full rebuild mode again. Like if you if if after this season they miss it and the Raiders say, listen, we're just we're rebuilding. We whiffed on this first rebuild. We're doing it again. Then, yeah, you move on from Derek Carr and you start from scratch. But that's going to be a really hard sell to the fan base. Yeah. And if he does have another year like he has the last years, he's costing you a lot more than 20 million. Right. You're going to technically he's under contract for next year as well. So but. you wouldn't have to give him a new deal. But, but I have to imagine if Derek Carr has another good season, he's, I don't know, pushing hard. Maybe right. not holding out, but he's pushing hard to get a new right. deal before he, he plays next season. Yeah, absolutely. So on the game actually happening tonight, two significant injury updates. Number one, Richie Incognito is likely going to miss this game. John Gruden was hopeful that he'll be back for week two, but Richie Incognito not expected to play tonight. John Simpson is likely to be the starter at left guard in place of Richie Incognito. And the other potential player here missing time is Josh Jacobs. He was downgraded to questionable last night with an illness. So if they're if getting downgraded the day before the game, usually guys that are questionable play. But when you go from playing to questionable the day before the game, that's not a great sign. So the Raiders offense could be, we've talked a lot about the Ravens offense. They don't have their running backs. They don't, hell, they don't have their wide receivers either. But the Raiders offense has two significant holes here if Josh Jacobs and Richie Incognito both do not play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, obviously, Jacobs was the surprise that came out late out yesterday afternoon. We know he's an autograph signing the day before. The illness, I guess, could be anything. I know people's minds go right to COVID. Um, I think if, well, first of all, if he tests, he's on the COVID list right away if he tests positive anyway. So that, you know, that's an easy find if, if, if he's on the list. If he's not on the list, it could be anything. I mean, I don't want to even speculate, but I mean, illness could be anything. It's it's interesting. He was at an event the day before, so something must have come over him in 24 hours, which happens. What he ate, what whatever. I mean, it could be anything. So, but if it's something like that, then I think he plays. I, I'll leave it at this. If the illness is not COVID related, then I think he plays tonight. If it is an illness, right? I would think he plays too. Yeah, and and I can't imagine it is COVID. I think we. Have, I think we'd know by now. Yeah, we would know that it was COVID right. if, it, if it was. So I don't think it is. I think he plays too, unless he woke up this morning feeling worse. Unless, like, he woke up this morning and is just 
can't get, get can't get past the toilet or something like that. Whatever the hell of the sickness is, but I would have to imagine he plays right. too. If I it's too. just, I don't know, an upset stomach or or whatever. Then I think he him. goes. He tries. Yeah, he tries. So I will say, granted, they don't have great depth at that position because of the Jalen Richard injury, but you have Kenyon Drake there. If they miss Josh Jacobs, I don't think that's the end of the world for a one game. Uh, for one game, the Richie Incognito one though. Him not playing John Simpson in there. So Josh Dubo tweeted this out. Uh, Raiders projected week one offensive line. Left tackle Colton Miller, 46 career starts. Left guard John Simpson, two career starts. Center Andre James, one career start at center. Right guard Denzel Good, 16 career starts at right guard. And Alex Leatherwood will be making his NFL debut. Well, Colton Miller's played a lot. <laughs> and not even that much because yeah. it's only 46 starts. And I will also say this. If you're the Ravens and you hear Josh Jacobs might not play, you're not feeling sorry for anybody. No. Yeah, given, no, they are, no. given they are down to their you're, sixth running yeah, back. You're looking and, around saying they exactly, still got yeah, Kenyon yeah, Drake. Exactly, exactly. They're fine. Yes. We're, we're playing a guy who was on the practice squad last year, and they got <laughs> Kenyon Drake. We're, we're not going to feel sorry for those guys. Because beyond, listen, beyond the running backs for the Ravens, they're down two of their top receivers. They drafted Rashad Bateman in the first yes. round, and Bateman's not playing. Like, And who's the other one? Is it uh, Miles Boykin is not playing? I can't remember the other one. There, they missed another, a ton yeah. of time in camp, their receivers. They have two receivers. receivers that are starting the year on IR, so they have to miss at least the first three weeks. Three weeks. Plus, they lost every running back that was Plus on the Plus, they lost their second-best corner. Ago. Yeah, and Marcus Peters is out. Like the the injuries of the Ravens, it's been brutal. Like you're getting Lamar Jackson, the tight end Mark Andrews, and like so, Sammy Watkins is going to be one of the starting wide receivers for the Ravens tonight. So is it worse for the Raiders? They continue to be four point dogs at home. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's, it's like, not great. They've lost Lamar Jackson. They're only one point favorites. <laughs> like, like I don't think that line's moved. The Ravens keep losing guys to torn ACLs, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's still four. I think Bill Polian might finally be proven right. Like that the, the best wide receiver on the team might be Lamar Jackson. Yes. Ugh. All right, still I'll, four. I'll give you. I'll let you guess if you um, unless you know it. Who is the backup quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens? No clue. Jared, any idea? Nope. Tyler Huntley. Okay. A rookie from Utah. U- Utah. Okay. Wow. So the way the Ravens offseason has been worth okay, about a like, one-point yep. favorite. Right. He's, uh, our, he's a one-point on. favorite, Tyler Huntley. The way the offseason has been going, Lamar Jackson will not be playing tonight, and it'll be Tyler Huntley that steps in to play instead. But, yeah, there's your backup just in case. So, I mean, again, it's a they pick they're losing a lot of guys. And we have not talked, or nobody's really talked, because obviously back-to-back torn ACLs was awful uh, with a running back in a corner. But not a lot has been made of like you just brought up of their wide receivers, and I, I, you know, I kid about the line, but seriously, they've lost a lot of key guys, and they're still expected to come in as a favorite. That is that more of an indictment on the Raiders? I guess it should be, right? I think you look at it as the running backs. People don't think it matters to the spread because whatever Latavius Murray, Tyson Williams, they'll step in and be fine. Do whatever they have to do. Yeah, yeah there's not going to be a market difference in what you know Gus Edwards was going to do or something like that. And I'd have to guess the Marcus Peter ones. We talked about it last week. That feels more significant to the Ravens because he's playing the Ravens. If the Raiders take advantage of it. Right. But I think you look at it and you say, well, the Ravens still have a good defense. It's not like they've lost a bunch of guys on the defensive side. It's pretty much all been the offensive side. So they're not down to their, they're not signing a guy off the street to come play corner for them. Not yet, anyways. Wait, is there a guy off the street that can sign as an offensive lineman? Jones Smith. (laughs) Is he still out there on the street? (laughs) 
But I think I think that's why. Is running back, you look at it and say it's not that important. And Marcus Peters, while that is important, it's more easy for the Ravens to cover that up than it right, would be if right. they had, you know, if they had three cornerback injuries, that's harder to yes. cover up. So I think it's the way. And also, you're looking at the Raiders' wide receivers and you say, well, who's taking advantage of that? A bunch of guys who didn't produce right. last year. Okay, we'll bet on the Ravens to still actually be good defensively, even without Peters. So, everything you said is correct. I mean, that's I guess that's why they're still four point favorites. And here's the other thing: I don't think it's moved, which I guess means no one's you know really put a lot of money on either side. I mean, I I just thought you might see, and maybe throughout the day you see some go to the Raiders because you know people are going to come into town. Raider fans from L.A., Raider fans from the Bay Area. Arizona, they all kind of congregate in town. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to like three before kickoff. I would think the money's going to go to the Raiders. Usually the home team's going to get money as people come into town. But still, I, I was I was surprised. And maybe you're right. I mean, they didn't lose anyone up in the front, and they're really good defensively up in the front. They're going to put a lot of pressure against this young offensive line of the Raiders. So maybe that has everything to do with like, you know what? No matter what, they're still better defensively, and the Raiders have to prove they can move the ball. Right, and losing – Richie Incognito means John Huge. Simpson is starting, and now you basically have four question marks along the offensive line for the Raiders to start. You said, I'm counting it up, 17. You're talking less than 20 starts? Other than Colton Miller. Yeah, other, other than, than Colton, Colton Miller, 2, 1, and 16. Wow. So if you take Colton Miller out, that is 19 career starts. Even if you include Colton Miller, you're less than 70. Yeah. Across five positions there. That's and, young, man. That's yeah. young. You're, and it's not like it's going against Jacksonville. Like yeah. you start off right away against, I don't know if it's the best defense in the NFL, but they're top three. Right. And they're, they they blitzed. Last year, they blitzed more than any team in the, in the league. league. In the league, they had the highest <laughs> blitz rate in the NFL. I don't know much. That's not changing tonight. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's not changing tonight. I just want I want someone on the line to be mic'd up and for Derek Carr to call an audible and him go, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what does he mean? Pulling Alex Petrangelo. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Am I going left or right? <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into week one of the NFL and what the hell happened to the Green Bay Packers. This is a good uh, good kick in the you-know-where. Hopefully uh, get us going in the right direction, going back home and playing division opponent next week. It's just one game. You know, we played bad. I played bad. Offensively, we didn't execute very well. One game. We got 16 to go. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Steve Sisolak is going to join the show. We're also going to talk to Nick Raboni of UNLV Hockey at 7.30. But first, all right, let's dive headfirst into this. Conspiracy theory, week one of the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is sabotaging the Packers season. False. What the hell was that? That was horrible. It was terrible. Try, I, listen, Tyler, I'm not one to overreact on Monday. You obviously missed the Review Journal headline this morning. Must win for the Raiders tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so... Week one must win. If you do not win, you are missing the playoffs. Uh, this is what happens. Now, the thing about it, if there's any game yesterday that we can't overreact to, it's that game. Like Buffalo's like, yeah, you know, you didn't play well in the second half. You're still really good. And you look down the line of teams that might have lost you thought would win. But you look at that game and you're like, what the hell happened in that game? 38 to 3. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers threw two picks yesterday. He threw five. All of last season, he did not throw an interception in the red zone last year. He threw one yesterday. Did Aaron Jones play or get hurt? Well, so the Packers, I think, had 
two drives in the first half, maybe three drives he had in zero the first yards. half. And well, yeah, they they went three and out twice, yeah. and then or no, they had one where they drove down the field, and then Rodgers threw the pick in the red zone. But that was it. They didn't have any drives in that game because the the Saints had a ten minute drive. The Saints scored a touchdown. They got the ball with eleven minutes left in the second quarter. The Packers didn't get back till there was a minute to go in the game or then half. Like the Saints came in there with the idea of all right, there are going to be four possessions in this game. We're going to score on all of them, and hopefully the Packers don't. Like they came into that with we're running the play clock down as long as we can. We're handing the ball off a lot. Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns. He didn't have 150 passing yards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. That wow, that's a great start. stat. 148. That's a great and stat. Five touchdowns. He went before the last one, which was like a 50 yard pass or whatever. He had four passing touchdowns and hadn't broken a hundred passing yeah. yards yet. Dak had 400, four touchdowns and 400 and like 20 <laughs> yards or something like that. Um, I didn't. I was so in, so interested in. Uh, Chiefs Browns and I think the early one I watched others I wanted to watch Herbert I wanted to watch others so I I, I kind of just kept the track of the score in this one I should probably watch this one more but I was going through other games but the score got out of hand so quickly I'm like this game's over I don't know what the heck happened I'll read about it later um, I just saw him on the bench uh, hockey hair guy hockey hair uh, Aaron Rodgers on the bench like with his hair and he's like shaking his head Aaron Rodgers even when he doesn't play well his mannerisms is all you guys suck and I'm great. Yeah. It's always like his his face is always so disgusted and you're like I don't think you're thinking about yourself right now. <laughs> I think you're thinking about everyone else. Don't you get that feeling like even though he said oh, I played bad, I never get the feeling he thinks that. How okay, how do you have an off season where you kind of don't show up, you try to hold your team hostage because you want more power and then that's your first I know, and that's your yeah. first effort. Yeah, that's your first game. <laughs> On the day I did not watch it, but they had the I guess they had the Aaron Andrews Aaron Rodgers interview. Did you watch that? Uh-uh, I didn't see that. either. So I, I mean, how ironic is on a day you probably said, Hey, you know, they drafted this guy and I want, you know, I'm the guy here. And it's like 38, three. Thanks for checking in. Like that's a horrible, like that. That's oh, a, it's brutal. Horrific. Because again, Aaron Rodgers, like last year, the reason this was okay. Here's what happened. Aaron Rodgers had about three straight years where he was getting worse. Right. He's still a very good quarterback, but he went from being this is like the best guy in the NFL to where, OK, maybe he's like the sixth or seventh best quarterback. And the Packers are like, all right, we need to plan for the future. Sure, like everyone does. took Jordan Love. Yeah. And that infuriated Aaron Rodgers. And last year he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably awesome. Best quarterback in the league. The most consistent guy in the league. And then throws a fit because, look, I'm the best guy in the league and you wanted to replace me. And then comes out and has his worst game, what, maybe ever? Yeah, it's his worst loss it, ever. Yeah, I mean, it's the worst loss they've had. It's But his individual probably didn't break Terrible. 140 yards. He threw like 133 yards in that game. Like, he completed like 50-something percent of his passes. That's like what we see from UNLV quarterbacks. When they get over 50%, we're happy. Like, the dude was awful. The dude was horrific. It wasn't just like, oh, they lost the game and Rodgers made like one or two bad plays. I don't think he made one good play the entire game. When he got the ball. Well, yeah. Let well, me flip it on you then, because uh, what do you think of Jameis? Oh. I mean, I know if I, I know mm. if I tease, but I mean, better than you thought. I know the like, numbers with the touchdowns, but like you said, he the, didn't need to throw for a ton of yards. Yeah, so. the game plan was very much let's run the ball a lot, like Alvin Kamara. Kamara had, had a Kamara time. had, I think, 23 carries and didn't play the last 10 minutes of the game okay. because both teams pulled their starters because it was 38 to 3. So, like, Kamara already had 23 carries. Their rookie, uh, what's his name, Tony Jones, I think. Mm-hmm. He looked good too. Like the Saints came out and they're like, we're just handing the ball off a lot. And it worked. So Jameis was effectively a game manager. 
Like when they got inside the five yard line, he threw the touchdown. I mean, if you win 38 to three, good for him. I mean, the game plan worked perfectly for the Saints. The question is going to be when it doesn't work perfectly, when they're the ones that are down two scores in the third quarter. Then what does Jameis look packages like? for ta- for Taysom? Uh, not that many. He got a few. Mm. He got a few inside the five yard line, but not as okay. many as you'd think. I mean, Jameis threw five touchdowns, and I think four were from inside the ten. So it, they, which by the way is often more difficult. <laughs> yeah, the sh- field shrinks, and you're usually yeah. like, oh, it's going to be tougher. Now, to be fair, one was the pop pass. They ran the pop pass to Camara, okay, and then he ran, ran through like it. five guys to score a touchdown. So that was, you know, they sort of cheat the stats to give the quarterback a touchdown pass on that one. But I mean, he looked good. And if the saints, here's the thing offensively, if the saints can run the ball that effectively, cause green Bay had a good defense last year. If they can run the ball that effectively, Jameis is not going to have to do that much. Like he's not, you're, you're not going to be asking him to throw it 40 times in a game and ask him to come back from down two scores. Like he'll be fine if that's the case. So it's, I, I think he'll be good. I don't know how good the saints will actually be at the end of the year. They'll probably be a borderline playoff team. They'll probably be fighting for a wild card spot, I'd guess. But he looked fine. He looked good to go. And they didn't ruin it too much with a lot of Taysom Hill. Is this sort of the time on Monday after that that I should rethink my Super Bowl pick? We all picked the Packers. Yeah. I mean, should we all rethink that? <laughs> I think what I had. I will lo- not rethink it after one week. I had them losing. Jared, did you have them winning? Yep. Yeah, so I had them beating the Chiefs. You guys I, had had them, I, had I had them beating the Bulls. I had them losing the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Good picks by us. Yeah, yep. doing well. Solid, here. solid. Yep. Well, they play Detroit next week, so they'll be one and one, and we'll be like, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're back." He's gonna, yeah, they're he's back. Gonna kill, he's, oh, he's gonna go crazy. He's next gonna week. do the seven touchdowns yeah. in the first half thing again. I think it's like Monday Night Football. He'll go crazy on Monday Night Football. We will know if he's sabotaging the season. Oh, if next he loses week. next week at home to Detroit, <laughs> if he's yes. got 130 yards again. on Monday Night Football. Yes, we'll know. <laughs> by the way, the Lions and 49ers. How about that? That game was yeah. 41 to 17 at the yeah. two minute warning. And all of a sudden the 49ers had a chance to tie the game. Twitter was great at that. It what the hell's happening? 41 to 17 at the two minute warning. And they scored, got an onside yeah. kick, scored, scored again, again, and then got a fumble, had the ball cut down eight. What? It was, and people, oh. people, you could, uh, I, the line changed, but you might've gotten the 49ers at seven and a half and you would have covered, but the 49ers went to eight and a half, nine and a half. Like right. a lot of people lost their bets because of that. I wanted it to happen so much just to see the post game uh, head coach of the mighty oh, Lions, Dan oh. Campbell. If Campbell would have won that game. I mean, talk about bleeping out every word. It would have been amazing. It would have been awesome. A lot of kneecap. Oh, but he would have biked. uh, Get over here, Shanahan. I'm biting off your kneecap. (laughs) All right. Coming up next, Nick Raboni joins the show of UNLV Hockey. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from UNLV Hockey is Nick Raboni. Nick, how are you this morning? Hi, Nick. I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks good, for having good. me. So, all right, I'm I'm curious. How normal is this season going to look for UNLV hockey after we had the last 18 months of a pandemic? I mean, as normal as the state's going to allow. Uh, right now, we're planning on playing all of our home games with full full capacity of fans, and uh, our guys are just chomping at the bit. I mean, we haven't played a, a meaningful hockey game in about 19 months, so you can only imagine how competitive our practices have been the last two, three weeks. Nick, we haven't talked to you about, uh, obviously, key for any program, and that's recruiting uh, through the pandemic. How was that? And I, I've talked to you before about, like, you look at film, you talk to coaches, and 
kind of the recruiting at your level like? Would, did it make it more difficult to really kind of zone in on kids you might like to come? It made it a little more difficult. You know, normally we like to have our players come in here and, and check out the university, um, see the facilities, you know, talk to them in person. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, we had a lot of players returning for their for their fifth year of eligibility. So we really only had to recruit about four or five players to round out our roster. And we're really confident in, in our skill level and our depth this year. And, um, you know, as a coaching staff, you know, you can only imagine we're just we're just ready to go. And I think uh, as much as the players are. So UNLV hockey is a it's a club sport. It's not a university sport. You guys don't. It's not like scholarships are given out. There's a much bigger emphasis on what the players have to give in order to just play this sport. Did you guys have any players that, because of the pandemic, because of the last 18 months or so, had to to stop, had to drop out and quit or anything like that? Well, we had a couple that um, you know once they graduated, they weren't going to stay, even though they had eligibility, they weren't going to come back and take classes still just to play hockey. So we understand that. You know, a lot of uh, we had a couple of players move on to play professional hockey overseas and in Finland and Sweden, so we're really proud of that. Um, but then as far as, as everyone else coming back, the majority of our guys, you know, they, were, they felt like there was unfinished business. So there wasn't anyone that didn't have eligibility and didn't have some schooling that didn't want to come back and be a part of our program. Nick, uh, as Tyler mentioned, you guys club sport for, you know, for two, three years now, kind of the narrative has been how do you advance to more of a D1 level? Uh, I don't know if that goal has changed because of the pandemic. You now have an interim athletic director. I know you had kind of dealt with Desiree on certain levels of it could ever happen. What could be this fundraising that would need it? Bring us up to date on that and, and how maybe the goals changed or didn't during the pandemic to get you to that level. Well, as you guys know, we really try and get away from that club quote-unquote, label. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really try and run our program as close to an NCAA team as possible. And from other coaches that I've talked to at the NCAA D3 level, we actually probably receive more funding and run it closer to an NCAA D1 team than they do. Uh, but with that being said, as far as progressing our program to the next level, we can only control what we can control. So we really want to win at this level. Uh, we, we feel confident that our program can win a national championship with where we're at. We put a great product on the ice, um, and our fans love it. As far as elevating it, we haven't had any talks with, uh, with Eric yet. Um, you know, obviously the UNLV Athletic Department has football and basketball that they um, really, really want to, to see win, and, and um, uh, we understand that, but we're also ready when they are. Did you uh, ever get the sense uh, when Desiree Reed-Francois was here that she seriously did want to add hockey? I do believe that. I think that uh, Desiree was, was uh, great to us. You know, we had good communication uh, with them. We had a good relationship with Josh as well and, and people around that, uh, that kind of area of the uh, athletic department. Um, you know, I think uh, Desiree, once again, she really wanted to see football and basketball succeed before she made any other um, decisions when it comes to men's programs. She was a great athletic director. We wish her nothing but the best. Um, and then hopefully, whether it's Eric or someone else, we can maintain a good relationship with them too. What's now going on with the Golden Knights? Because obviously they've been a good partner with you. Uh, they've had to deal with their own stuff the last year, like everyone has. Um, where are you with that relationship? I mean, the Golden Knights are, are, are great to us. I mean, we still have a, our own locker room in their practice facility. Um, they're constantly helping us out with ice time and, and different things at the City National Arena. Uh, we've looked into playing some games at Henderson as well. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out this year, but... I'm sure we're going to play some games at Lifeguard and then hopefully Dollar Loan Center as well. I think that that would be a true testament to see how many fans we can really draw. If you're drawing between 2,500, 3,000 fans, 
um, I think people take notice of that too. So we're excited to give that an opportunity here in the future. Hey, you guys got multiple places. You could play a hockey game now. That wasn't even true like just five years ago. Right. It's, it's, it's actually incredible to see where the sport has gone. And I, I hear rumblings of uh, another rink potentially being opened up here in the, in the next two to three years too. So you guys open the season on October 1st. Uh, you guys are hosting Illinois for a couple of games. Um, Tickets-wise, you guys are, are going to be full capacity at City National Arena? We are. We still have season tickets on sale. We have about 100 season ticket holders right now. It's $140, and you're going to get 16 home games. Um, Illinois is going to be a huge opponent for us. They're going to come in as a top-10 ranked team. Um, I know we're ready for them. We're going to have a great tailgate set up. Puck drops at 8 o'clock at the tailgate. will have free food, drink, and, um, you know, it's going to be a great atmosphere for us. We're going to be celebrating some 1 October survivors. The first 250 fans will get free T-shirts. Um, it's just going to be a fun weekend overall with 50% off for all first responders as well. I think there was a time you might have bit the Flamingo Ice House looking for Shippishov. I think <laughs> it was, was. Like, I think we, it was we, you and Shippy, I think, at that point. <laughs> we had a our locker room was was pretty small and we had a, a pod for our storage unit so uh we've come a long way <laughs> you're ahead of shippy um what does yeah. it take i know you've come close and i know this is what you want to do at this level so what's it going to take to get that national title consistency um i think that for us we put a great schedule together we're playing some really good opponents um we head back east to play liberty um for a couple games and, and you know they're a top ranked team is as well as being involved with the Chicago Showcase, where we'll play, you know, top 10, eight teams as well. I think that in order to be able to win at the national championship, you got to beat teams on the road, and you have to put yourself in tough situations during the season, and then hopefully that translates to the national tournament. The national tournament, similar to basketball, I mean, it's you know, it's one game elimination, and you got to win four or five games to, to win that national championship. So we believe we have the depth to do it, we have the skill to do it. Now let's see uh, if we can translate all this onto the ice. You guys have Grand Canyon University on your schedule. There's um, there's some complaints at like the Division One level that they're a for-profit university, and some schools don't like that in college basketball. But I'm curious, are they they have a good club hockey team? Is that they're good at this sport? They're they're growing. I'll, I'll say that. Um, you know, they gave us a little bit of trouble last few years, but fortunately, we haven't lost to them yet. Um, but they're, they're doing the right things down there at Grand Canyon. We know their coaching staff pretty well, and they're, uh, they're growing the program as much as they can. But, um, you know, we plan to still uh, take care of the business when we play them. You just talked about going back east. You talked about going to Chicago. Uh, you are not an NSA level, so how difficult is it and how easy has it become now to raise the funds that, you know, it takes to run your program and run it at a high level? Fortunately, we have some great donors and backers that really help us out, um, you know, the amount of support we get with the season ticket holders, we make money off of that, and we'll make some money on our home games as well. So if we're putting a good product on the ice, we're, we're bringing City National, uh, people to City National to have fun. It's going to be a, it's, it's a great event for family. Um, you know, when you do those things, you're making money. And when you're making money, you're able to, to, to translate that into some great road trips and good experiences for our student-athletes. Um, so if we continue to do all the right things, we know that we can continue to, to raise money at a really high level. And, and gain new donors as well as, as making our old ones happy. Well, he is Nick Raboni from UNLV Hockey. And again, their season gets started October 1st. They're hosting Illinois out at City National Arena. Nick, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Nick. Take care, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Shippy. I love oh, Shippy. Boy. I love Shippy. Oh, boy.
Love that guy. Skating around on the plastic you put down outside that? the Cosmo yeah. that during December. <laughs> Should be asking if he can use kind of their pod to put his stuff in there too. <laughs> can I put my equipment in there too? I <laughs> I want UNLV hockey to become a D1 sport oh, here. Be, yeah. If you've been to, and I was fortunate to go back and cover uh, North Dakota uh, for a story I was doing, but also they played a series against Minnesota, one of their main rivals. And I do believe, Tyler, they're coming to T-Mobile. It is North Dakota, Minnesota. I'm not sure people can correct me on the text. And I, I, I uh, tweet, I, I absolutely know North Dakota has been involved. But when you go to games like that at the NSA level of the two best or two of the best teams, man, it's exciting. I'd love for them to be the NSA level and play those level of people. And, incredible. And I think like he, we heard it, Nick mention about them potentially in the future playing at the uh, place in Henderson that the Silver Knights will be playing at. And he, you know, he said, if you can draw 2,500, mm-hmm. 3,500 people, I think if you right now, if you just said, yeah, UNLV hockey is now a division one hockey team, right? Granted, there's only like two teams on the West coast, like Arizona, Arizona State, State. And that's like it. Right. So who they're playing is a big question too. But if you just immediately said in the city, Hey, they're a division one hockey team, they're playing Arizona State or whatever. I think you. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They're drawing five thousand mm-hmm. a game, like especially if they're good. Like they've been good at the club level that they're at. I yeah. don't know how that translates when you get up to the Division One level, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that Arizona they State 5, did it. Yeah, they did it. So i I'd love to see it because I think you'd have a sport that uh, it. I think it immediately become the third most popular sport for UNLV sports. Absolutely, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I do. I do think it would, especially what the Golden Knights have done yeah. in this town, and and either bringing hockey fans, transplants who already knew hockey, or making new hockey fans. The Silver Knights, the Golden Knights, and UNLV. Those guys at UNLV do a terrific job with that. I just look. I would just think it'd be cool to like watch them play Michigan or something like that. You know, I mean, I would just want them to play teams that have all these NHL first round draft picks. And I thought it would. I think that would be really cool to watch those kind of games. Because I mean, you go basketball and men's basketball and football are one and two, and then like. Yes. The Lady Rebels, women's basketball's number three right now at the moment, and maybe baseball exists there in that realm. But I, I think I think a hockey team, Division One hockey team, would be ahead of both yeah. of those. I think they'd be third behind football and men's basketball. So again, there's a lot more into it than just hey, they're popular. Let's add them. You could, you got to put a lot of resources well, a lot into of money. it. And a lot of money. The big problem is always the Title Nine part, and you mm-hmm. pretty much have to add a yes, women's you sport have to, to add go along sports. with it. And does that make sense? You're coming off a pandemic for an athletic department, probably not the smartest time to be investing resources, but I, I'd love to see it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Can't you add something like, unless they have it, and correct me if I'm wrong, do they have women's crew? No, they well, do not have women's but, crew. But you could add a sport with women that have a lot of numbers, right? Because you said it's the percentage base has to be what it is in terms of Title IX, gender equity, what percentages on both sides, right? Like you just said, you made a good point. Hockey has... You know, a lot of guys. I mean, you know, I don't know what the I don't I'd have, low twenties. I don't know what the scholarship, scholarship limit are. is though. It's almost like it's, it definitely would be like a baseball, softball, yeah. where you have so many you can split them up and all that. But then when you do look to women at a women's sport, I think I'm not going to say it's Arizona State, but I think when a school added a men's team, they went with women's field hockey. Like they balanced out the numbers of what they would add to get hockey. Can I ask you a question? Sure. I know you were just shooting off the top of your head. Where would a UNLV women's crew team practice? That was literally my question. I was my, like, my pool. <laughs> it's not used enough, and I pay a lot of people to take care of it. <laughs> be the funniest thing ever. They're on Lake Mead, and then well, it'd be Lake sun- Mead. It'd have to be Lake Mead, right? Yeah, but is sun- there enough water left? Suddenly, in Lake well, they- that's the problem. The, the water level. They dip. They dip their oars in, and suddenly a body. Right, right. Yes. Either that, or you hear this. <laughs> it's like if they're at the bottom. 
I threw that out there because there's just certain sports that you can add a lot of numbers on, right? I mean, I th- you know, maybe I, I should have gone with field hockey. Yes. Lacrosse. I gone field- lacrosse. Lacrosse. Yes. All right. Coming up next. Got a, a lot fun, of land. Fun weekend in college football. Are you a believer in Oregon? Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Juice in coverage. That's where he's looking. That's where he's throwing. Mike Williams caught touchdown. Mahomes throws it around. Caught striking touchdown. Travis Kelsey touchdown. Kansas City. And for the first time in this regular season, the Chiefs have the lead. at 7.04 to go in the game. Bridgewater turns, hands to Gordon. Gordon off the right side in a big hole. 40, 45. Here we go, midfield. Gordon, 45, 40. Pull it away. 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Denver! 70 yards for Melvin Gordon. And it is all but over. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We have now had Clemson and Ohio State lose, which means your AP poll, college football playoff poll doesn't come out for a while, but your AP poll is Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Oregon four, Iowa five, Clemson still sixth. So Oregon got the win over Ohio State. Iowa got the win over Iowa State. Do you believe either one of those teams is actually going to make the college football playoff this year? I think Oregon can. I, I Two things about the opener. One, I think Fresno State's probably a little better than people thought. Um, we'll see as they keep going on. Actually, this week they're getting 10 against UCLA. That's going to be interesting, UCLA to buy. But to go into Ohio State without your best player, that's pretty impressive. I watched that entire game. They they looked pretty good. So I'm going to say Oregon because they're in the Pac-12, and I don't believe in many people in the Pac-12. Iowa, I don't know. They played Iowa State, so they've beaten them like 76 straight times. So maybe it's just that they played <laughs> Iowa State. But f- Kurt Ferentz usually has a good team. I don't know if they're playoff-worthy team, though. They'll usually drop one or two. But, yeah, Tyler, I think Oregon – we'll put it this way. I think if Oregon goes undefeated, they're in. Obviously, right. they're already for, four. I think for either one of those teams, if they can go undefeated, they're going to get yeah. in. The problem is, is that Iowa play. They play in a couple of weeks. They play Penn State. They also play Wisconsin. Yeah, they do not have Ohio State on their schedule though. So there's a chance there they run the table. Um, you would then, or they they're in the opposite division of Ohio State. So conceivably, they would play Ohio State in, in the Big the Ten Champs, Big Ten title game. So that would give them another potential right. loss there. For Oregon, though, their schedule, I don't i don't think they have very many games on this schedule that are that going to be that concerning for them. I mean, they, they do not play Arizona State. They do play UCLA, who has looked good so they far this good. year. But, I mean, like next week is Stony Brook. Arizona hasn't won a game in like three years or something like that. Maybe Stanford. They just beat the hell out of USC. But That like, might have been more of a USC problem. Right. And so it's like Cal, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, Utah, and Oregon State. Boy, like Washington's a mess. Yeah. Like that's not a – like it's pretty easy to see Oregon yeah. going unbeaten in that. Now They get in if they're undefeated. Yeah. Especially you, you basically hang it on that Ohio State win. The question to me is going to be – how do, does Clemson or Ohio State have a shot to get back in? Because they're ranked in the AP poll. Again, this is not the college football playoff poll. But in the AP poll, Clemson is six and Ohio State is nine. They're both already in good position to where when some of these other other teams start losing, they're going to move up. Mm-hmm. Like if Iowa loses, Clemson is moving up, right? If Oregon loses, Clemson is moving up. But the question is like take Clemson, for example. 
what happens if like George is a one loss team who didn't win the SEC title and Clemson has one loss, but did win the ACC title. But we saw Georgia beat Clemson in week one. It's a great point because one or two is going to lose eventually if they went out because they're going to play each other. Yeah. So in the SEC championship, I would hope. And see, that's the thing, man. You always get this subjective, subjective evaluation of, you know, we put conference champions over others. You're going to put conference champion over a team that beat a team. And you go back to the uh, years ago on when they just voted and there was no playoff, Florida, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, be, excuse me, Florida State. Notre Dame beat Florida State in the regular season. I think they gave Bobby Bowden the national championship because it was Bobby Bowden. He didn't get his national championship, so they gave him one. <laughs> but that's the same thing. Notre Dame had beaten him on the field. And this is the same thing here. If I'm on the committee, I'm voting for the team that beat him on the field. Now, but you'll get committee members who say, no, conference champions yeah. mean more. So I don't know which one they would pick in that instance, but they, like you said, they could have a very good chance that that's going to happen because I would favor Alabama over Georgia in the SEC yeah. title game right now. And it's not hard to make the argument, well, that was week one. Okay. If, oh, absolutely. If Clemson, if Clemson wins absolutely. out from here, yeah. presumably they're going to look a lot better doing so. You can absolutely, it's easy yes. to make the argument, oh, that was week one. Yeah. They're yeah. a different football team now. But it's, it's curious because here's – Here's my hope for the college football playoff is that we get some new teams in like Clemson and Ohio state both lost. The like door Oregon? is open. Yeah. That Oregon they haven't been in, in a while. Yeah. That, It'd kind of be cool if Iowa win. It. Right. If, if yeah. we get that type of team in, I mean, again, the top three are Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, like it's sure. granted Georgia. What if I think they've only made it once. We haven't even talked about Oklahoma. Yeah. But Georgia's always right there knocking on the door. But at the end of the day, like it'd be nice to see an Oregon and Iowa make it. And it's, like college football since the playoffs started, it's been Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, yes. and really Oklahoma. Like it's been that four. We've yeah. seen some LSU in there. We've seen some Georgia in there, but it's really been that those four teams dominating this sport, and to a specific degree, Alabama and Clemson dominating the actual championships here. But it'd be nice to see a different yeah. team get in. It'd be nice to see one of the teams that we're not used to seeing actually make it to the college football. Playoff. I'd love Iowa to get in. Now, I do want to end this segment on Florida State. Oh, okay. First you must off, have loved the final play. Florida State losing on a, it wasn't even a Hail Mary. It's no, not even like the quarterback threw it to the end yeah. zone. It, they had one guy running down the yeah. field, and then he made two guys miss and gets in. Hilarious that that happens. Jacksonville State plants the flag at midfield afterwards. But did you see a player for Florida State proposed to his girlfriend after that game? After? On oh. the field, oh. there's a picture of him. Did proposing. he do it in front of the flag from the other team? <laughs> you can see them celebrating at midfield oh. in the background. On the field or on the sideline oh. after the game, proposing to his girlfriend after what's maybe the worst loss oh. in Florida State history. The only other person who would accept that would be Cassie Soda. <laughs> She'd be the only other person who would ever accept that.